Lord. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Black Hole Radio presents Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. With your hosts, Rudolph Muhammad and Yusuf Muhammad. There's a train of coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the dealers coming. Don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. Train to Jordan Picking up passengers Coast to coast Faith is the key Open the doors and bottom Blessings, peace, and blessings. Welcome to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Beginning all things in the name of Allah, God, the all wise, true, and living God who sits high and looks low. I am your co host, Brother Yusuf Muhammad. We are honored to have you join us this week to our constant listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your consistency. To our first-time listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. It gives me great honor to greet you with the greeting words of peace and paradise. We say it in the language of our ancestors, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, sir. Thank you, Brother Rudolph, and thank you to, again, all of our listening audience. We uh, welcome you with open arms to this weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. You know, for those who may be on for the first time, our conversation ranges from viruses to vaccines, from flu to health and fitness, from fire safety education to community risk reduction. We want you to ask yourself, 
where will I and my family be when disaster strikes? We want you to, one, get informed, to, two, establish a plan, to, three, develop a survival kit, and, four, periodically reassess your plan and your kit. As the gospel song instructs, quote, unquote, we need you to survive. And as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has given us spiritual instruction and exhortation, if you will, watch the weather. And I don't know where you are in the country, the United States of America, or globally throughout the world, but we can all pretty much attest to the weather being very peculiar in these last few days. The meteorologists tell us every day on the news, you know, this is strange. Some may say it's global warming. Others may think otherwise. But the bottom line is we all agree that we need to watch the weather. And so that just happens to be uh, weather in terms of disaster and how peculiar it is and how quick it strikes, sometimes even without warning. Even, even these Doppler radars can't pick up the climactic conditions. So if you're online, I'm sure you tuned in to blogtalkradio.com forward slash blackholeradio.com, hole spelled W-H-O-L-E, blackholeradio.com forward slash B-A-F-C-P. And if you, I don't know, Brother Rudolph, I don't know if that's you in the studio, brother, but the background noise is coming up. Uh, So forgive us, listening audience, for that particular technical difficulty. But you can also call in at 563-999-3089 and press 1 to engage. Come into the studio because, again, I started by saying our conversation, not mine, not Brother Rudolph's, but collectively our conversation, no matter where you are. Let us know what the weather is like where you are. And certainly many of us can attest to we don't have to wait for bad weather to consider it a disaster. You know, some of us have that lesson that says there's a big field that awaits the wide awake man to work out. Well, the big field is yourself, me, myself, and I. So you could even be going through internally a disaster as we speak. But anyway, call in. Let us know what's on your mind relative to disaster awareness for community preparedness. And know for an assurity, this is a solutions-based program. So we'll offer you uh, whatever it is that we have on our screen to help get you through, by God's grace and mercy, uh, the next calamity which may strike. So let me get out your way as we bring before the microphones our dear co-host, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad, who will take us further in this week's program. Brother Rudolph. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you, Brother Wa alaikum sir. Yes, sir. Greetings to the family. Peace be unto you. Beginning all things in the name of the one true God, the I am that I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the grand, the grand architect of the universe, that one 
who is responsible for your and my existence in this dispensation of time. You're talking about that individual who, out of the unfathomable regions of his, of the triple darkness of his own mind, formed and fashioned into a physical reality what was going on in his mind. And he took those thoughts and through specks of dust and particles of matter that didn't matter, he put them in motion and gave them order. And he created all that was, is, and will be. Yes, this is done out of the mind of the true and living God, that great omnipotent, omnipresent being who is in control in this day. And so again, to him and to him alone, do I seek refuge and I thank him for all of his many blessings. I thank him for his wise choice in his um, of one who would bring a weighty word that through that word it would spark a revolution in the minds of individuals who prior to that we're dead. And so that one speaks that word into the minds of those that, since the purposes were dead, and he gives life to the dead. And for those who had eyes but could not see, he gave them sight because he created within them the ability not just formulate patterns of light, but to look deeper into the light and to be able to, uh, uh, um, how, how would we say, Brother Yusuf, you know how when you're looking through the lenses of binoculars or a telescope and everything is out of focus, but you can turn that lens and you can focus in on an object. Well, he allowed those of us that were blind to be able to focus in on that which was right in front of us. You know how in the scriptures of the Bible it says, you, you know, Jesus was talking, he said, how do you see men? And they went mm. on with that philosophical answer. And then he said he rubbed some spittle on their eyes, or in other words, he removed the dross off their eyes and made them able to see for what it really was. Well, this is what the most honorable Elijah Muhammad has done. He gave sight to the blind. And then those who were crippled, and when we say crippled in every aspect of the word, we were crippled because we had been taught lies. We were crippled because we had followed those who were not followers of the gods, but who were followers of Satan. We were crippled because we could not think for ourselves, could not do for ourselves, and could not do anything for 
those who come from us. So we couldn't even protect our own families. So we indeed were crippled. But to those crippled individuals, oh, he put a board in our back and helped us to stand up straight. And then he taught us how to walk again, step by step. And then those of us who were deaf and dumb, he taught us how to not just listen, but how to hear. And then he taught us how to speak. And so, yes, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad has raised the dead, given sight to the blind, dumb to speak, and has helped the cripple to walk. And then he has taught one face-to-face as a man speaketh to his friend. And when he taught that one, he sent him on a mission. And we're talking about none other than our big brother, the champion of truth, justice, and equality for the oppressed, not just the woman of America and the world, but for the oppressed, the brown, the red, the yellow, and the poor white. Think about it. In When you read the scriptures of the Bible, Brother Yusuf, and this is, you know, I, I, I do not aspire to or call myself a theologian or even a student of the gospel, but I do remember growing up and, and going to Sunday school, and they talked about, you know, a scripture where, in where, I'm paraphrasing, where it um, spoke of, oh, man, I just lost my trend of thought. Praise be to Allah. But anyway, moving on. We're thanking the most honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan for standing up and for taking the mantle. It's like a baton race. He took the baton from the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and now he's running the limit of the relay. And had he not been willing to do it, then where would we be now? So in those three great names, of most, uh, the, the, the Master Farad Muhammad, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and the honorable Khan. I greet the listeners, the well-wishers of Muhammad, the supporters of Muhammad, the family of Muhammad, and even those detractors that are here. I greet you in the greeting words of peace and paradise of our salam alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, sir. Thank you, sir. I am currently physically, geographically, in the city of Detroit, the state of Michigan. And I'm standing in, oh, I would say it's about six inches of pure packed snow. And it's been snowing for a couple of days, and there's no relief in sight. And I don't even care, Brother Yusuf. I don't care what the weather brings as long as I can wake up in the morning and I can brush my teeth and wash my body and dress myself and have the right sense of mind to grab my coffee and, of course, do my meditation and read my scripture and then go out on my daily chores that I need to go out on. I can do that. 
I mean, it doesn't matter to me what the weather is like on the outside because the God has provided me with clothing for the weather. He's provided me with a way to get through the street in a vehicle in this weather, and he's provided me with a way to provide for my family, and so I'm eternally grateful for that. But see, I know who makes rain, hail, snow, and earthquakes, so why should I switch the... So with God as my help, why should I fear what man may say or do unto me? Ah, mm-hmm. oh, man, man, man. But Brother Yusuf, I'm going to turn this back over to you because my mind is just racing so fast right now. And, and you know, I want to try and stay on track so we can really get the most out of this show and we can bring this information to those that are listening because, yeah, we are in the middle of what they call an Arctic blast. And we are being hit blast after blast after blast in places that normally would not be cold this time of year are frozen over and are cold. My wife and I just came from Arizona, and on January 5th, they had a blizzard in Arizona. And we were in the hotel looking out the window at the snow as it was falling. And, you know, praise be to Allah, I know I still enjoyed myself. And, well, I I did ask my wife, and she said she enjoyed herself, which she deserves. And so it didn't bother me about the fact that we went all the way to Arizona, and I was thinking we was going to get some sunshine. Well, we still got sunshine, but we got snow too. Praise be to Allah for the snow. Whatever it may bring, as long as I can feel it, all praises are due to Allah. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, Brother Yusuf, and I'm going to come back later, and we're going to talk about how to handle this weather that's coming, how to manage your actions to get you through this uh, Arctic blast that's here and going to be here for a while. And as he told us, watch other because things are happening. The God is angry right now. And the chastisement is coming down upon the world. And we have to just make sure that we are on the right side. The right one. These dark hours. Brother Yusuf. Thank you, Brother Rudolph. Uh, brothers and sisters, welcome, welcome once again to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Our constant and consistent listeners are quite familiar with us tying in, connecting the dots, if you will, being congruent and consistent with letting you know that it's not just about planning and operations. It's not just about logistics and resources, both human and financial resources. It's not just about communication and coordination. Now, all of those things are critically important, but we have to understand that there's a spiritual component that we're always going to bring to this show because we wouldn't be here without it, without the Most High God, no matter what you call your God. You know the importance of that supreme being ordering your steps and making firm your feet. So we wouldn't even be here. When I listen to Brother Rudolph open up 
spiritually, as I do too in our own different way. It reminds me of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan when he quoted uh, the book of Matthew, for those of you who read Scripture, the 24th chapter where it says, Take heed that no man deceive you from the fourth verse through the eighth verse. It goes on to say, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And so we have to give credit where credit is due to lay our baseline assessment, whether it's operationally or whether it's spiritually. You know, we oftentimes say for our first-time listeners, you know, for those who know the story of the prophet Noah and building the ark, we ask the question, when did Noah build the ark? It was before the flood came. That's the answer, before the flood came. And we're just trying to, in our humble way, lead you toward the significance of being in the modern-day Noah's ark in this day and time. So we continue to reiterate the call, watch the weather. Brother Rudolph said he was in Arizona, and it was freezing temperatures. If you go to uh, this week's Final Call newspaper, uh, we have an article written by our dear sister Chantel Muhammad who's a contributing writer to the final call, but she's also a wonderful member of the Ministry of Health and Human Services. And she writes, watch the weather, tornadoes, rain, snowstorm, frigid temperatures hit America. There's a picture, brothers and sisters, in the article that uh, uh, identifies a crashed 18-wheeler semi-truck abandoned along Interstate 80 in central Ohio on January 13th. It goes on to say that heavy snow and high winds led the National Weather Service to issue a blizzard warning for much of the state of Iowa. She writes in her articles that events remind us of the importance of disaster preparedness. The year 2024 certainly started and continues to show that Allah God is definitely in control. Catastrophic weather events happened simultaneously across the United States the weeks of January 8th through the 17th. On January 9th, more than 3 million people in Florida were under tornado watches issued by Storm Prediction Center. 14 tornadoes were reported across Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina, causing significant damage, prompting rescues in the Florida's panhandle. 
more than 29 people in the United States were under a high wind warning on January 9th, reflecting winds that were causing widespread powder outages. Pardon me. More than 800,000 homes and businesses across the eastern United States had outages, mainly in Pennsylvania, New York, North Carolina, New Jersey, and Virginia, according to trackerpoweroutage.us. So look, we want to give another shout-out to our dear sister, Sister Christina Muhammad, who along with her wonderful husband, a regular contributor to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, Brother Reginald. They're the coordinators of the 10,000 Fearless First Responders in Austin, Texas. She uh, is quoted as saying, and I quote, I coordinate when there's a disaster that takes place and gather logistics. I determine how many people we're going to need what type of equipment is needed, what supplies are needed, she said. The group has assisted on several weather and disaster-related situations around the country. He goes on to say, we have to get serious about our survival and stop thinking that someone is coming to save you. Everyone is going to be busy saving themselves and their families. He told us, Paul. The intensity of the storms is going to get worse. We constantly have to prepare on a bigger scale. There's so much going on. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has already told us that this was going to happen. We have to get out and teach our people as far as what to store in our homes and cars. All of this that we see is happening or beginning of our, uh, pardon me, all of this that we see is the beginning of sorrows, as I just read, and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has informed us. A Buffalo, New York news station, WGRZ, reported on their website about the potent form forecasted for January 12th through the 14th that threatened to bring strong winds and rain before changing to snow. Temperatures were also slated to drop. And, in fact, that storm uh, postponed the NFL football game between uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was scheduled to take place on a Saturday, and they had to move it to that, that next Monday because of that. Now, of course, we advocate learning emergency skills and Mr. Chantel put some info on there about that. We certainly want you to plan to stay warm, and we have information to share about that. And then we want you to gather emergency supplies and plan to stay connected. So I can get into detail, but I'll fall back right now and let Brother Rudolph take us further. Yes, sir. We have a caller, Brother. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I understand we have a caller in the studio. Welcome to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Could you please state your name and where you're calling from? And, you know, we always say, how may we serve you? Go right ahead, caller. 
323-921. You're on the air. That's me. That's Sister Anissa. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, Sister Anissa. How are you, ma'am? I'm doing wonderful. I am calling from semi-sunny California and Los Angeles more specifically. How are you all? And thank you all so much for being so consistent because Brother Rudolph, y'all brought it this morning. I don't even need to go to the mosque this Sunday because y'all preached enough for me to last me for a month. I'll just play. He can't help you himself, know, Sister Nisa. You know that. I I'm mad at y'all. I ain't mad at y'all at all. You know, Brother Rudolph, while you were, while y'all were talking, I thought about this, especially about the blizzard. I thought about this blizzard that happened in Cleveland, Ohio, because that's where I grew up. And I remember how hard my father had to work to make sure that three families were taken care of, his parents, his only sister, and our household. And we were under like seven feet of snow. Mm. I think I was about 10 or 11. It's a hard task, but it's a loving memory that I have of my father. And I just know that I love the articles that Sister Chantel wrote. I love the content of that Sister Christina of 10,000 Fearless contributed um, because out here in Los Angeles, it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes when you're living in a dust bowl because for the most part, we, don't, we live near mountains, but we're not in the mountains where a lot of the snow and, and people getting trapped under that snow because we're not properly prepared. Our brain is always an earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. But there is mm-hmm. something that I um, am being compelled to share, and that is, hold on one second, let me pull it up. It is an article, or should I say a scripture, from the book of Isaiah 26, verse 20, and the minister had us um, do this and think about it during COVID where it says, enter into thy dwelling or into thy house and shut the door about thee. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. To make sure that, you know, until the indignation has passed and God's indignation has not passed, it's just now starting. Because we are under chastisement. We are under um, punishment um, in this country, whether, and we're, you know, for those of us that are trying to do right or those that just think that they are all that and are above God's judgment, we are um, still going to catch it. We're what they would call collateral damage. The scripture goes, go, my people, and enter your houses and shut the door about behind you and hide yourselves for a little while until his mm-hmm. indignation has passed. And so right. that means that right. this is a scripture that is especially significant for those of us because that stone, that Arctic blast that we're getting, is slowly but surely heading in a diagonal direction toward the West Coast. And mm-hmm. it's going to come across the breadbasket of this country where a lot of our produce comes from, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know about nobody else. But I'm paying attention to the diminishing quality and the diminishing amount of produce in grocery stores because you're not going to be able to get food in the stores if there is no way for the trucks to bring it to us. Right. And, right. and, it's, and it's slowly but surely diminishing 
And um, we have to really, as families, as individuals, we have to pay attention to that. And we are going to have to store food up in our houses because we don't know how we're going to be affected. In Los Angeles, during that week that you talked about, about the blizzards, the week of January 7th, we had power yes. outages out here in Los Angeles because that wind was fierce out there. And, it, mm-hmm. and you know, and when we're looking at winds and Arctic blasts, we also have to take care, um, take, be mindful, I should say, about what is being happening beyond out there, uh, beyond the planet Earth, out there in the cosmos, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that plays an important role on satellite transmission. What type of power do you have in your home to keep things going if your refrigerator goes out? If your lights are turned out, well, how are you hmm. going to protect your home if you're not able to get home? Those of us that work into the wee hours of the morning, how are you going to make sure that your house is protected? Because it, it seems like every time that there's a power outage, I hear sirens outside and helicopters outside because somebody out there doing something they don't have no business. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that the perimeters of our houses are protected. And the best protection is for you to be prepared for any eventuality, and it's very difficult. Back there where you all are, I remember when I was growing up, sometimes the pipes would freeze. That's right. And then when the pipes start to thaw out, then the pipes burst, and your house can be flooded with water. How are you going to be able to, I mean, you know, it's just a lot of things from my childhood that I'm remembering as I'm listening to you all. I'm relieved that I'm out here in in California, but we got our own issues out here. And most of it is um, an unwillingness to grasp the reality of what it is that we are facing just because you're not out there in sub-zero degree temperatures don't mean that it's not coming. It doesn't mean that we can't be affected. It's like for a couple of weeks ago when we had that when out there in Ventura County along the coastline, all of a sudden out of nowhere while people just chilling and chewing the fat and standing up on, uh, on this wall taking selfies and stuff, out of nowhere a 10-foot wall of water came at them, and they had no choice but to run. Mm-hmm. And that you know, and they said it, they they could never really give us an answer as to whether or not was it an earthquake, but I just think it was a a, a tsunami that happened, and it actually happened when that tsunami hit Japan, right around wow. the time. And that's something. And you know, about you know, several people went to the hospital. A couple of people, I think, may have died in that. But it just it just came on all of a sudden, and it just rushed down the street, and people were running for their lives. And you would, too, if you saw a 10-foot wall of water coming at you. Over a, back so far from the shoreline of the beach, and then they had like a, I'm going to call it a retainer wall, and then they had houses and businesses, and they thought that, that they thought that that was going to protect them in the event of anything, you know, coming at them. And God showed them that, no, I am in control of my ocean and my sea. Go ahead. So we don't know what Allah is going to bring. 
So the best way for us to get in front of it is to do like Sister Christina said, be more proactive in your community. It's hard to get the neighbors to to come together in in the L.A. area, in the inner cities, and think about community emergency response teams and making sure that at least a block northeast, south, and west of where you live, that the neighbors are tight, that we're doing something that we can help each other with. Because trust and believe, I will never forget the aftermath of what happened after that Northridge earthquake that happened in 1994, I think it was. Los Angeles has not had a major earthquake of that magnitude since, and we are on the cusp of it coming. And the city, really, truthfully, they're not ready. Come on, that's right, sis. Tell the truth. They're not ready because the one that's coming is going to be even greater than the one that hit. Freeways were collapsing while people were still driving on them. Yes, ma'am. The 101 right. freeway, or 104 is called, 101 is called what the calamity. Right. This city <laughs> was in a state Wait. of turmoil for weeks. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying. And, you know, yes, and it's kind of hard. And that's why, and I'm not talking about what, what but I got to share this. That's why the minister told the sisters to start canning and canning until you can't. That's right. Go ahead. Right. That was you're going 2015, to around 2016 or 17. Here we are, six or seven years later. Mm-hmm. So that man is wise. He knows what's coming. Sister Christina, Sister Chantel was right on point. The minister has already given us everything that we need in order for us to survive. That's but right. the question is, are we listening and are we taking heed to what he's saying? And Muslim or not, the scripture tells you what to expect. And if you're ignoring what the scripture says, whether it be Torah, Bible, or Quran, then that's on you, and you are going to suffer if you don't take heed to what God has been telling us for centuries. This is not a new phenomenon. This warning has been coming at us for a long, 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 long time. That's right. All you got to do, if you want to know what's coming, pick up Fall of America, written by the, honor, the most honorable Elijah yeah. Muhammad. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because Teach everything he beautiful. said back in the 30s is in our face today in 2024. And we That's cannot right. deny that. This That's is, right. You know, this is not, I mean, it, it's, so, it's, it's a challenge, but it's not impossible. Because we already got food deserts across the country in our community. So my concern is with our seniors. How are they yes. going to get around? How are they going to be able to do this? How are they going to be able to do that? Brother Rudolph, teach us how to come up with our own emergency vehicles and our own emergency transportation for our people. Yes, and where are we going to take them if there's an earthquake? Right. Right. Because out, out here, everything... The, the, the structures that they have, the recreate, the parks, I don't know about anywhere else, but here in Los Angeles, all schools, churches, and parks with these rec centers in them, they're supposed to be places of refuge for the people. But out here in L.A., they don't have no cots in there. Right. They don't. The schools, how are they going to be able to feed the people? 
Well, we can go to the cafeteria. There's food stored up in there, but there's no power, and that stuff is frozen. How are people going to eat? <laughs> because that, to me, that line of reasoning is not logical. And even when I was growing up um, in Cleveland, we had fallout shelters at the school. Mm-hmm. Right. So that in the event of a tornado, you have a place of refuge. And they had cots. They had storages for food up under the schools. They don't believe in basements out here in California. They don't. Right. So, I mean, it's it's just a lot for us to process in our brains, but I know that a lot is going to hold the believers accountable for what we do and what we don't do to help his people. Yes, we've been Beautiful. given a warning, right. if we've been given supreme wisdom, and if we've been given a knowledge that we're supposed to be moving out on, the big field awaits, the wide awake Muslims. So what are we going to do? I ain't getting in trouble for nobody. I'm sorry. I love y'all, but no. That's kind of like having eight siblings and one of them. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell them you because I ain't getting no whooping for you. Right. Oh, yeah. Those of us that come from that era, we understand that. That's right. <laughs> you know, my One sibling can cause everybody to get a butt I don't know who did it, but I'm going to get the right one by getting everybody. So it's right. like... Right. I mean, it's, this has been something that's been in me for a while, and I do what it is that I can. But I can't, there is no compulsion in anything, especially not in religion. You can come or you cannot come. But the thing is, is that none of us can do this by ourselves. That's right. We can bring about, we can bring Sister Christina and Brother Reginald into our cities. We've done it. Out here, I think it was in 2018. Yes, but after that, it was dispersed because a lot of people, you know, well, she's gone, and we can we supposed to take what she gave us and go into the community. But Los is big. I can't do it by myself. None of us can. That's That's why we're called the Nation of Islam. Hmm. Come on. Come on. Because we're supposed to be in this. So whatever it is that you're doing and how you got your 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 emergency vehicle to go help people, share that information with others. If there's a step-by-step process that you did, Brother Rudolph, share that. If there were some downfalls and some pitfalls and some obstacles that you had to jump over, share that. Share with us your level of success. How did you get to the level of success that you're in? And I know it didn't happen overnight. No man. Show us how to get around all of the drama associated with a black person trying to do what you're doing. <laughs> yes, I man. know it was a lot. <laughs> we have to start thinking national because hell is going to break loose when a minister departs and he's on his way. Right. That's right. That's right. Teach. I don't know about you, but I want him to be proud of the Ministry of Health and Human Services in the Division of Disaster Preparedness Management. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. We have a job to do. We we have to be found working right up until the end, whenever it comes. That's right. Exactly. And we have to put forth the effort or die trying. 
Yes, ma'am. And one thing that one thing that I'm proud of to say is that I know when I was rearing my children, they're all adults now. They used to think I was being extreme on stuff, but when COVID hit, when them earthquakes hit, and they stuff like that, and they didn't, mom. Everything that you taught us is coming back to memory. I got this. I got that. My house is secure. Right. Beautiful. I went to my daughter's house. Way out in no children money. Single dollar bills because nothing is worse than having a need when you know somebody's out there price gouging. I didn't have to do that. Right. They had stack tips on the counter in their house. I'm just saying. <laughs> they had, they had everything that they needed, even during COVID, because all of my children got COVID. Mm-hmm. And Mama was there for them. Well, you can't. I ain't no. You ain't telling me I can't come. I have to check on you. Right. You have to be. We gotta have the heart to go against the status quo. They told me that they they sent my daughter home to die during COVID because she had it bad. Mm. But before they mm. shut down the ivermectin treatment, that's when she was on the cusp, and that ivermectin cured her of that damn COVID within 48 to 72 hours. Oh, go crazy. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so they lied to people. Oh, yes, they mm-hmm. lied. They mm-hmm. lied to people and told them that, it was not beneficial. And if they want to figure out where I am, my address is 4206 Santo Tomas Drive, zip code 9008, and I live in apartment one. You can come if you want. But I'm going to do what I can <laughs> to save my family and my people. Go ahead. That's right. The heart of a redeemer. That's right. So, no, I mean, we got to do what we can because we can best believe that the muckety mucks are going to Oh, of course. They got this. All of these little state buildings, there's a city up on the ground. They tell nobody about it. Yes, right. Where they can go in case of emergency, but that information is privy because we got to protect those that are going to run the city. But the citizens right. are going to run over the city. If you're not careful and if you don't share the resources that you have under the city to protect the people that got you in that office. I'm just saying. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just saying. No, you said a lot, That's Sister right. Nisa. And brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but Sister Nisa gave us not only a baseline assessment, she gave us a direction forward. And she just reiterates what we've been taught. But what good is it if we don't turn it into practical application and daily implementation? And so all the questions she asked were certainly valid, from asking Brother Rudolph to share his experience of what him and his father, may Allah be pleased, with Brother Commander Rocky Robinson, that when they started the Bed-Stuy Volunteer Ambulance Corps in Brooklyn, what it took for them to even have the vision to want to have establishment like that. Every time I'm in the community, uh, brothers and sisters, and I see an ambulance go by, I'm like, why can't I have my own? I mean, I can have my own, but we have to right. first have the vision right. to see it and then go after it. You understand? And go so do, do it. Denise That's right. And 
I know our listening audience has been, uh, their souls have been watered by uh, all that you said, because when you talk about Brother Rudolph's father and you talk about your childhood memories of your father, it connected the dots that when your daughter got sick, you did what you had to do because we, by his grace and mercy, are going to do what we have to do or, like you say, die trying. Look, right. all of these things, brothers and sisters, is step by step, degree by degree. But you got to take one step toward what they call community investment, community involvement, community partnership for community risk reduction. Sister Nisa, right. thank you, thank you, thank you. And and stay with us. You're not finished. I know you're full, dear sister. And as I was listening to you and knowing uh, you were giving us the report from semi-sunny Los Angeles, <laughs> and you connected the dot to the history of Cleveland, Ohio, you know, Sister Chantel ended her article, which was right in accord with the previous Final Call newspaper where the most honorable Elijah Muhammad's article was the four great judgments of America. And, you know, he talked about right out of the fall of America, you said, you said it earlier, which was written in 1973, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. He talked about the plague of rain and what that does in terms of destroying. He talked about wind. He talked about snow is the most mm. dreaded plague when it comes in great drifts from 5 to 35 feet. It buries your property and lives. It destroys yes. your highways, your cities, your concrete and gravel in towns and cities. It puts a great burden of expense upon the cities. It puts mm-hmm. a great burden of expense upon the city to repair it, the cave right. and roofs of homes, the cutting off of homes and the cutting off of transportation, isolating areas, brings about starvation, and communication is destroyed with the icing of communication wires. And I know the the, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad goes on to say, snow looks pretty because (laughs) it's a clean look. Almost everything in nature is beautiful, but it can be turned into death it's and destruction right. against That's man. That's right. And so, right. you know, our dear sister wrote, she concluded the article that said that Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught that God would use forces of nature to pummel and punish America. The four great judgments that Allah God promises to destroy America with are now coming upon her. Hail, snow, drought, yes, earthquakes. Allah God has reserved his treasures of snow and ice to be used against the wicked country, America, in the days right. of That's battle right. and war. These are some of Allah God's weapons, the storms that we see going on. He warned in his book, The Fall of America. He also wrote in the same seminal book, All Around the southern border of America, storms are raging. There are tornadoes and heavy rains and more storms on the way, one right after another. And in the north and far west and in the east, America surrounded with the judgments of Allah God. 
And so we thank That's you right. again, Sister Chantel Muhammad, Sister Christina Muhammad, Sister right. Anisa. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I mean, I don't know if y'all remember. Uh, I, let me see if I have a date on this meeting. We had three meetings with some subject matter experts from around the nation. This took place, Sister Anisa, May 8th. 2018, and in the end, the questions were asked uh, of those in attendance, if a national disaster would take place tomorrow, would we, whether members of the Nation of Islam in the mosque or our families, would we be prepared? How are we going to communicate, and who would be responsible? At that time, one student minister said he thought that 30% of the believers are prepared, but it's a continued work in progress. Suggestions were that we should take online FEMA courses of incident management, uh, the National Incident Management System called NIMS, as a homework assignment. We we should use our... I'm sorry? You said the National Information System? Incident, Incident Management System. It's called NIMS for short, N-I-M-S, the National Incident Management System as a homework assignment. The other was to use our structure, and uh, I'm still studying the document you put together, Sister Nisa. Shout out to you and all (laughs) with you putting that detail together. Um, but, um, you know, for those of us, yes, ma'am, all praise is due to Allah. Uh, we should at least know our general orders and prepare ourselves if we have to come off the grid, pulling resources from nature, develop survivalist skills, said another attendee of this meeting. Uh, again, as you said, Sister Nisa, back then, Someone said, remember the instructions given to us by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan during 10-10-15? Go back mm-hmm. to our communities and begin networking. Uh, right. Another suggestion was establish training simulation drills, which you know, uh, Mr. Captain Christine and Brother Reginald, they're good for that with 10,000 fearless. Uh As I mentioned in the beginning of the show, we should be cognizant of the six basic components of an incident command system, planning, operations, logistics, resources, both human and financial, communication, and coordination. As we've said, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been shouting out in the wilderness since 1931 to organize, deputize, supervise, and check back. This is just a particular project management style that we could all use. And, of course, uh, if you are not familiar with the things we just shared to our listening audience, keep tuning in to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, where many of our listening audience are subject matter experts in and of themselves, as you can see, I did some recent you know, tuned in. So I'm going to fall back and uh, let Brother Rudolph take over. And Sister Nisa, if there's something else we missed, feel free. This is as much your program as it is ours. Thank you. Brother Rudolph, before you go on, Brother Joseph, I have a quick question. 
Yes, ma'am. Could you repeat? Can you please repeat the 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 um the components of having um a functional command center as far as logistics is concerned? Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, this is uh, pretty much the basic six components of an incident command system. ICS is what they, you know, just use the letters. Incident command system, ICS. Not necessarily in this order, but, you know, all of them are interconnected. Number one, planning. Number two, operations. Number three, logistics. Number four. I'm sorry, brother. Logistics consists of something like what Sister Christina said. Who's going to need what? What are the populations you need to know the demographics and you need to know the areas most hard hit, correct? Something along those lines? Exactly right, Sister Nisa. Exactly right. Okay. All of those, all of those dynamics. Uh, number four. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Number four would be resources. But resources can be both human resources and financial resources. So when we say resources, it's important to consider who can do what, when, and how. Of course, money always plays a critical role. We don't believe in a mystery, God. Number five is communication. And number six, is coordination. Thank you. Now, there are other, oh, my pleasure, Queen. There are other components that you can add on to it, but you start with those. That's enough to get your uh, system up and running and your organization up and running. So I'm going to fall back, Brother Rudolph. We're at 4.58 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, Sister Anissa, for all that you've done, all that you yes, continue ma'am. to That's do. Right. And all that you will do by Allah's grace and mercy. You're listening to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All praise is due to Allah. You know, we might as well keep it right here. Since you asked for something, so here. Let, you know, let, let, let me uh, 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 give, it, give some of it right now and give it in a historical fashion. When my father... And I started the Bethesda Stuyvesant Volunteer Ambulance Corps along with those that started with us in 1988. The very next step of that was in 1990 when we came out to L.A. And we brought Bedside West out to L.A. We were at the Challenger Boys Club in the Al Wooten Center. And we used the ambulance service out there along with what was going on at the time anyway with the when the minister had instituted the gang truce. And so we had bloods and crips learning to save lives in the Dead Sky West volunteer ambulance service out of the Challenger Boys Club in the Al Wooten Center in South Central LA. What we can do wherever we are is this. When a disaster happens, 
immediately when it happens, of course, the first casualty is hygiene. That's always the first casualty, and we have to be aware of that. But the very next thing that happens is all resources go to wherever ground zero is. Depending on the magnitude of the disaster, small individual things that happen are just that, small individual things. But when that situation morphs, and takes on a life of its own, then the way that it's dealt with by the larger establishment is different. And what Brother Yusuf is talking about, talking about with FEMA and NIMS, the Incident Management System, and ICS, okay, the Incident Command System, these are tried and tested ways of handling, managing, I won't say, I won't use the word controlling because you can't control a disaster. But what you can do is you can manage your response to it. You can outline how you're going to deal with the ramifications of whatever the situation is now that has gotten out of control, and now that's why it's a disaster. Because, see, a disaster only happens, current situation overwhelms your ability to deal with it. So when your resources are outnumbered by whatever is going on, yes, now you're in a disaster. Well, as Brother Yusuf said, if you have planned you know, or or you've been training how to operate, if you have studied your logistics and have your resources, then all you have to do now is like a light switch. Hit the switch and let it take a life of its own and go ahead and do that which you've trained to do. That's the hardest part for our people. Because we historically do not believe that these things are going to happen. We are so inundated in our daily lives with survival as a tool because we're not living in our communities. We're surviving in our communities. But survival is done on such a daily basis that it's the order of the day. And so we, we're we not planning for next week, next month, next year. We're trying to get through today. And if tomorrow should come, then we start the process all over again. In one yeah. sense, that's good. It's good in the sense that you learn and fine-tune the skills necessary to find the things that you need to find to get through the moment, but it's bad because it never gets you past the living for the moment idea. And we need to plan for next week, next month, 
next year. Because what we're going through now is going to happen again. And yeah, each sorry. time it does, we need to, we, if we can learn a, one lesson from the previous time, we are that much better when it happens again. Now, as Sister Captain Christina, she's 1,000% correct, um, we have to start right where we are. We have to start on the block that we live on. We have to start house by house, neighbor by neighbor, because as the song says, no man is an island, no man stands alone. When disaster strikes, you're going to need help to survive. Disaster is not the time to try and learn who your neighbors are. You should already know who your neighbors are before disaster strikes. Yes, sir, Brother Forrest. We have a caller, 718-812. Caller? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, I know who is. What's going on? Well, it's Allah. That's Brother Allah right there. That's that's one of... As we say in the street, that's that's my man's in there. Yeah, yeah. That brother right there now, that brother right there, I, I you know, and I can speak on this. That brother right there and I have been through, just like Brother Yusuf and myself, we have been through many situations, situational uh, um, um, obscurities, disasters, or incidents, whatever you want to call them. We've been through many together. We've been through many trainings together. Um, we know how each other are going to operate and respond in certain situations. And that's what you need going through a disaster because you won't always have the luxury of explaining yourself or explaining what needs to be done or trying to teach at the time that you're trying to survive. And so you have to find like-minded individuals who your thought processes are parallel, your desires are parallel, and once you have that, all that other stuff goes out the window because then you begin to start working together so that you get to know each other and you get to working on a common goal, which is not just survival of yourself, but it's survival for your people. And this is what where we have to be now. The Ministry of Health and Human Services is liking unto the Department of Health and human services in the United States of America. Any program of health, wellness, or human service needs to come out of the Ministry of Health and Human Services in an effort to benefit the citizens of the nation. And in doing so, it means that we have to be addressing food, clothing, and shelter 
at the very basic, at the very basic, because when all else fails, that's the primal instinct that takes over. Where can I find some food? How can I get some shelter? And what clothing can I get to deal with the terrain or the climate that I'm in? So if we're addressing the the very basics of food, clothing, and shelter, we're addressing the basic needs of the individuals. They will be more apt to listen to us, to work with us, and to want to help in any project or program that we put forward because they know that we are concerned about their well-being and the very lives of them and their families that they love. So when we're talking about food, clothing, and shelter, yes, Sister Nisa, you're right. The sisters need to be out there teaching canning in the community. Hell, if you have to invite two or three of your neighbors off the block after you've introduced yourself to them and vetted them and got to know them somewhat, yes, then bring them into your home and teach them the skill and the art of canning. Why? Because then when disaster strikes, you have an ally now because you've given them a skill they can use to help save their babies so they'll rally around you and help you and your family in your time of need. See, because when this thing goes down the way it goes down and the mobs are running crazy in the street, they're going to come at us first because they're going to say, well, we know you Muslims, you knew this stuff. Why didn't you come and teach us? That's right. You think that the hungry masses aren't going to smell that bean soup that we trying to heat up and eat and feed our family? I don't care how many towels you put down under the door, how much plastic you melt on your windows, that aroma of that bean soup is going to get out there. And it's going to be like on the cartoons, how you see the, 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 the wave of, of smell, and it's like a finger, and it's going to be tapping them on their shoulders and telling them, come this way, come this way. So we need to be out there teaching our people daily what they can do and must do for the survival of themselves, their families, their communities, and our nation. I'm going to stop with it right there for that. Brother Allah, I know you're on the line. Go ahead, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you for allowing me to stand on this platform with all these. And I, I, I was sitting back like, man, this sister hit me on the head. Y'all always, you and Brother Yusuf, y'all always on point. But I was like, man, these sisters are on it, man. And I, as I travel the country and I go to different events, I notice that it's the sisters that really be on it. And, and, and I appreciate that because they're our mothers. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're our pillars. They're, they're our That's providers. Right. So who, who better than them to take that and, and run with it? You know, we, we be out, we're, we're the hunters and we're the... We're the getters and we, we, we're the go-getters, but the sisters are the ones who hold it down traditionally. Now, I appreciate y'all, and I love y'all for that. But uh, and, and the sister was asking a question. She said something about uh, 
about the ICS thing and all of that, you you definitely everybody should definitely get that introduction to ICS. Those first two, that 100, 200, so just so you know why and how people are doing what they're doing. Because when you see, when you're in a disaster and the resources start going a certain direction or things start dwindling, you want to know why are they dwindling? Where are they going? So in order for you to know where they're going and who's going to get the, who's going to get the help first and why they're getting the help, you, you, when you have the ICS training and you have the understanding of it, you know why. Why is it that I have, why is it that they're not distributing food? Why is it that we don't have anyone turning our lights on? Why is it that, where are the heaters and stuff for, for us to be able to, to keep ourselves warm? If you don't have these resources already and you're looking for it from the government or from anyone else, that's why. And this will help you find these resources because they're there, but you just don't know where they're at. But when you know the, this, this information, it can help you find it. The other thing That's is right. that with, 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 with you and I, we've been building on this for years and years and years and years. This disaster model has been going on for years and years and years. And hold on, brother. Changed. Hold on, brother. Hold on, brother. Yes, That's too many years and years and years there. I'm only 19. <laughs> hey, hey I, I'm 20, but I remember you from day one. From day one. <laughs> and then yes, I got sir. 25 EMF challenges, so I don't know. Somebody's laughing. Yes, sir. But yeah. yes, sir. But we've been building, we've been building from day one on on this disaster model that hasn't failed in in in, in the fall of America and 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 and, and how to eat to live and all of that. Right on point with it, and all the teachings of the messenger always fall right on the dial with it. It has never failed. We always, as long as we, all we have to do is we, we, we tweak it with our little information that we get, we just build on it. We just build on it. Right. I love it when we get together for Savior's Day because that gives us that gives us the opportunity to work with faces and 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 and, and, and personalities that we usually don't work with. And, right, and, and that's right. Because I told you, it'd be like, hey, brother, we're going to do this, 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 and that. And we're going to go this way and that way. And you're like, all right, that's how we do it. But when we do things like we have events like Savior's Day, the Million Man March, even your average everyday Sunday at the mosque allows us to build with personalities. <coughs> Start with that. You build with personalities and you expand out because none of us have all the resources that we need. When a disaster happens, it's always something you don't have or something that area that we are lacking, where you're lacking. But you might know a brother that has a a, a 15 passenger van and you got to make a move. You might have a sister that has more space to keep more cans in her pantry so y'all can build together. You may have somebody who has a basement because your house doesn't have a basement. You know, those things are things you need to know and those are networks that you need to build so that if, whether it's a community network or whether it's your nation of Islam network, but those are networks that you have to build. Because if, right. when, it, when it hits the thing, it's too late. It's too late. That's right. If you don't got it, no, you don't right, got it and it's going to be hard to get it. So with that with that being said, I, all, all the sisters that came on, y'all was right on it. 
We just have to keep staying on it. We have to build together. I myself, I started with, you know, I live in Atlanta. I started with nothing. Next thing you know, I started getting cans. I started getting uh, 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 meals ready to eat. I started saving this and saving that. I was just in the closet just the other day. Bro, I got so much stuff. I got two storage bins. I have <laughs> I have so much stuff that I, it's ridiculous. I have to give some of it away because I'd rather have somebody else have some of the stuff than me just hoard it and, and, and we'll put some on the shelf. I can't even move it because I got so much. I, you know, I, uh, uh, let, let me say this, Allah. Let, let me bear you witness on that because, okay, I, I'm the operations manager and part owner of a black ambulance service here in Michigan, the only one that's here in Michigan. But it was that brother right there who got one of those U-Haul uh, trailers and loaded it up with EMS equipment, emergency and disaster equipment, and drove it from Atlanta to my headquarters in Warren and distributed it and gave it to us so that we could have the equipment that we needed to outfit the ambulances that we had just gotten to be out in the community. We have another brother in New York City, I'm going to call his name, Ron Davis, who also has storage units all over Brooklyn that he has stockpiled equipment that whenever one of us needs something, if I don't have it or a lot of us don't have it, we make the call to Brooklyn and let them know what we need, and either it's in route here or it's set out for us to go pick up that we can bring it back. These are the networks that we have to have in place because nobody can do it on their own. Go ahead, Allah. Exactly. Yes, sir. But your network, your network can, can, can be as far as that, but you also want your network close to be really tight. If your network close to you, you know, You 
Salam, yes, sir. Yeah, Alaikum Salam, brother. Thank you for calling in. You know, that's one of the brothers who, again, uh, you were talking, brother Yusuf, when you were talking about my father and sister Anissa, you talk about your father. That era uh, of men, um, yes, all of them took care of more than one family. All of them. They saw the need and they felt that it was their obligation to take care of those families that were around them. And they did whatever they had to do to provide to make sure that those families had what they needed. Well, when my father started the Volunteer Ambulance Corps, all of my friends who I used to hang out with or hang out with me, they became members of the ambulance corps, not because they wanted to necessarily, but it was one of them things. Well, if you're going to be over here, you got to learn this. You got to do this. Come on over here and help do this. And after they got started doing it, you know, once or twice or whatever, they began to like it. And so it was easier to entreat them in, but he sure had to force most of us to get into this thing at first because it was new to us and we didn't want to. But all of us have been in this thing now for over 30 years That's right. doing this. And wherever we are across the nation now, this is what we're doing because this is what was put into us by a masterful teacher. And, yes, my father was a master at teaching basic life support, EMS, and disaster preparedness skills. He was a master at teaching it, and the proof is in the pudding in the students that he has been able to teach and who have been able to go on and become teachers themselves because of what he inspired and put in them. So I, I say that just to say, when you talk about the things we need, anything that you can think of, if you can think of it, we need it. The issue is how to get it, how to make it functional, and how to secure it. 
Because one of the biggest things about a disaster is if you can't protect it, it's not yours. Brother Yusuf. Yes, sir. I bear witness. Thank you, Brother Rudolph, for lifting that up because um, not only have they become teachers themselves, many of them have, uh, I won't use a big word like matriculated. I mean, that's a big word (laughs) to our listening audience. But they're going into the FDNY, the Fire Department of New York City. Yes, sir. And and yes, some outstanding uh, employees and officers and trainers, you know. And when we talk about sisters, we can't help but to lift up Sister uh, Regina. And, Regina, uh, Tracy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Malcolm Moore, who is now a, a deputy chief or a battalion chief there in FDNY. So yeah, right. shout out to your father, shout out to Sister Anissa's father, and it makes me think about my father who too your father. Uh, ended right. up going from education to uh, uh, the corporate world as he was a, uh, a, a safety instructor in the corporate world. And you know, his right. favorite saying was, um, the life you save might be your Maybe own. Maybe your own. That's right. I wanted to thank Allah, Brother Allah, for calling in and offering his expertise of how we should have enough for those who may not have, right? That's the law yes. of reciprocity. The more you love, the more you be loved. And, uh, you know, to whom much is given, much is required and expected. So I thank you, Brother Allah, for sharing that, not to mention the importance of self-defense and build defense if you need one. I love that. I love that. Um, as we talked about the uh, National Incident Management System online course, uh, there are different uh, degrees of courses. Uh, you can go to FEMA forward slash training dot gov. Again, FEMA, F-E-M-A forward slash training dot gov. And these uh, courses are free. These courses are free, yes. and as Sister Nisa, Brother Rudolph, and Brother Allah know the importance of once you get yours, you obligated to give to others. It's called training the trainer concept. And That's so right. just wanted to share that. Then when we talked about networking, Brother Allah reiterated the importance of it. So whether you're in the mosque, in the church, in the community in terms of maybe education, fraternity, sororities, gang, or, or, or youth organizations, if you will. All of these are critically important. Um, Sister Anissa talk about teaching the children. That, that reminds me of uh, Mary McLeod Bethune, who that was one of her favorite quotes, the children. So we got to teach them the importance of CERT teams, C-E-R-T, community emergency response teams. And, um, you know, there's a process, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. You can get overwhelmed if you don't understand the process. As Sister Nisa started out earlier saying, and it reminded me of an old proverb. I don't know if it's an African proverb or just came out the block, which is the same thing. It said, how do you eat an elephant? Answer, one one bite bite at a time. There it is. So we need to get this information to the leadership first. The leadership should know first of these organizations. 
and then develop a planning committee. Uh, you should establish that and have a visualization, if you will, to produce a way of like a table of organization and a flow chart. Identify who's willed and who's skilled. Because you might have right. the will that, that that you don't have the skill, and you might have the skill that don't ha- have the will, but we not need to identify who's who. That's called situational awareness, knowing what to do, right. when to do, how thing. to do. Yes, ma'am. You know how like, when you were talking about teaching the children, you know how I trained my children when they were little? Because I have four children, one son, three daughters in that order, and my son is the oldest, of course. I taught my son how to have a distinct relationship with each one of his sisters individually and then collectively, and they were taught to hear him and understand when he's not on play mode with you. Right. So if he right. fought in a certain way, those girls knew to cut playtime out and listen and, and, God, and follow what their brother is trying to tell them. Mm-hmm. I had right. different colored backpacks at my front door, and they knew which color went to which child. They all had shoes that could withstand distance. They had treads. They were strong, and it was something that came up above their ankles to protect their feet and their ankles. That's right. Go ahead. Beautiful. No flip-flop. One of those backpacks, no they all had their individual supplies so that they can um, be, you know, they can be fed. They had little packs of water. They had their own favorite little snacks, and they had something that would give them comfort. I right. taught them from the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and when we ha- we even had little fake drills in our household. That's right. And that's yeah, right. I that's wake that's them it. up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and say, you know what? It's Go time ahead. for a drill. And it was like, oh, my God, Mom's at it again. you damn right I'm at it again. <laughs> Go ahead, sis. No, no you are so right. You are but so right. What? They're doing that with their children now. Beautiful. That's right. They're doing that that's with generational their children. wealth. They understood. And they knew what mm-hmm. to do when that earthquake, when that Northridge earthquake hit. I didn't have to tell them anything. Beautiful. Man, that that that's it right there. I was talking to my you wife, uh, sister Anita, and, and brother Yusuf while we were on vacation. I was talking to my wife about it, and I was saying how you know. <clears throat> A lot of times, you know, we hold these, if we even do drills, you know, they're not worth the paper that that they're printed on because we we cheat so much during the drill. So you're going to tell everybody that at 1 o'clock we're going to have a fire drill. <laughs> so what the hell is the sense of doing it if you're going to tell everybody what time you're going to do it? When the for real fire happens, it ain't going to tell you, oh, I'm going to start at 9 p.m. That's or, right. Or I'm going to start at 2. You know, and then it's so unrealistic because just like you said, we never hold a drill during the time that the disaster actually most likely happened. Fires most likely happen in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. But you want to run <laughs> all your dr- drills at 12 noon. Yes, sir. 
you know, I, I, I just, just couldn't just talk into my head. Oh, but I did it. I did it because I needed to protect them, and they, and my son knew what to do. If something really bad happens and something happens to me or your dad, this is where you take your sisters. My son was the one that had the phone book. Right. They knew where to go. They, I mean, it was it was just just something. And the thing is, you know where I got that from? Watching my mother through the riots that went through Cleveland in the, in the 60s. Mm. Mm. Come on, and come how on. She, how, how she protected us, what she did for us, I repeated it with my children. And I didn't, you know, because the thing was, it's like during the, the one of those, they had, we had another earthquake before the Northridge one. I can't remember, but I was doing things that seemed familiar, but I'm trying to, where did I get this from? And I remembered I was watching my mother. Right. Mm-hmm. Do what she right. did when, when we had to evacuate our homes on several occasions because of fire. Right. Yes, ma'am. You know, so it's really, it's really, really important to let our children know that everything in life is not going to be comfortable for you. Right. This That's is right. not a video game. Comfortable being uncomfortable. Life will be no crystal stair. No, right. go ahead. Go ahead. That's right. reference. One of my favorite points. Right. Come on now. <laughs> I got yeah. this. Because, because, I mean, I'm not that everything smart. Is, if me. everything is not going to be comfortable for you, but it's going right. to save your life. Right. Because when you're dead and in a grave, you're going to be comfortable from now on this morning. A permanent sleep. Right. I'm just saying. That's right. So I'm I'm grateful. Look, a lot of this stuff I learned it in my MGT class from my mom because my mom apparently was an MGT and didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Because I didn't grow up in the nation of Islam. Well, you know, it's like they say, not, there's nothing new under the sun. Come on now, that right there. All of this stuff um, that they're talking about now that they put these fancy uh, uh, $10 words on, you know, this is stuff that Big Mama taught her. This stuff that Granny right. taught her. This is Come stuff that, that, you know, our aunties and uncles did with us and with our parents and with their parents. Through the years, coming up out of slavery, sharecropping, just growing up, this was just the, uh, as they say, the modus operandi for us. Mm-hmm. This was how we operated. It's and then those little catchphrases the that they used to have, yeah. that we used to think was so up in the internet. Come on now. You know, there's, there's, there's sayings they had that we used to laugh at and we used to think, hey, Granny, you're strange. She said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Child, save some for a rainy day. It's a poor rat that only got one hole. We didn't know what the heck they was talking about, but they were spewing wisdom. Go ahead. Come on now. Come on now. You know, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there, brother. I'm stopped. Yo, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I got brother. I got brother um, Rudolph all you know fired up again. It's kind of like bruh, bruh. 
You sure <laughs> did. And it, we both know, Sister Nisa, it don't take much <laughs> to get him fired up. It doesn't take much. As the young people say, lit. He stays lit. Hallelujah. By God's grace and his mercy. So look, brothers and sisters, we're at 5.36 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, we want to thank Brother Allah for calling in, Sister Anissa. And we still have 20 minutes. It's not too late. Anissa, stay with us. Um, Shout out our dear sister, Sister uh, Ajuba, uh, Brother Rudolph, is, is listening and he wanted to know about oh, the uh, yes. FEMA address. She's also an educator, works with children, Sister Nisa. So she's a regular listener. Wonderful. So we're grateful for that and uh, for what she does. And, you know, um, when you talked about your son and the relationship to your daughters, so beautiful, so beautiful, because one of the things we all need to do is to identify not only who's willed and who's skilled, uh, to, to deputize for assignments, there should be a point person that's designated. And that was your point person in your family, your son, and that was just so beautiful. Uh, additionally, brothers and sisters, um, I want to offer this as something to consider in terms of whatever level of project management or strategic planning you're into. Consider the word smart. S-M-A-R-T. Consider SMART as an acronym. The S standing for be specific of what it is you want to do with yourself, whether or not you want to get your family together and learn those drills that you need to learn. In in the fire service, they call it EDITH drills, E-D-I-T-H. Uh, meaning that's another acronym, exit drills in the home. But let me finish with the SMART. Let me finish with the SMART. The S stands for be specific. The M stands for measurable. In other words, operate with your action items that are measurable. stands for attainable. Examine the next steps so that whatever you set as your goal, as your aim, as your objective, that you know that they will be attainable. The R stands for realistic. Make our aims, our goals, and our our objectives realistic. And the T stands for be time-specific. Don't say you're going to do something and don't and don't do it. That's that's procrastination. Be be time specific. So, just wanted to offer that as something to consider. Another uh, way by which you can do what you want to do in terms of disaster awareness for community preparedness. S for specific. M for measurable. A for attainable. R for realistic. And T standing for time specific. And so as we enter into the last 20 minutes of uh, this uh, week's program, as Sister Chantel wrote in her article, uh, learn emergency skills. We have two experts on the line, and Brother Allah was the third. Learn first aid and cardiopulmonary resuscitation, CPR. 
Emergency services may be delayed. Learn how to spot and treat frostbite and hypothermia. Install and test smoke alarms and carbon monoxide detectors with battery backups. Be ready to live without power, gas, and water. And as was said earlier, learn how to keep pipes from freezing. And then because we're in the winter season and the weather is so peculiar, you least want to plan, stay warm. Stay warm indoors to prevent frostbite and hypothermia, pardon me. Before the winter season begins, or we're in it now, but make sure you can heat your home safely. Prepare your home to keep out of the cold with insulation, caulking, weather stripping. Consider using an indoor thermometer or thermostat to monitor the temperature inside. Plan to check on loved ones and neighbors to make sure they are staying warm, as both Brother Allah and Sister Nisa said earlier. This is especially important for older adults and babies. Drink plenty of warm fluids, but avoid caffeine and alcohol. Avoid travel if you can. If you must go outside, plan to dress properly. Keep your nose, your ears, your cheeks, your chin, your fingers, and toes covered in warm, dry clothing. These areas are the first to be at risk for frostbite. Wear layers of loose clothing, a coat, hat, mittens, and water-resistant boots. Use a scarf to cover your face and mouth. Know where you will go if your home becomes too cold. You could go to a friend's house, a public library, or a warming center. So again, you know, this is in addition to gathering emergency supplies like food, water, medication. Doors might be closed and it may be unsafe to travel. Get your go kits, your stay-at-home kit. Plan for at least three days with your go kit. And there are many things. I mean, if you go to FEMA or we here at Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness can prepare a list for you to consider. Start with three days if you don't have, you know, resources or the experience of what that means. And then we build on that because three days is a start, but not necessarily enough. So plan to stay connected. Sign up for free emergency alerts from your local government. Plan to monitor local weather and news. Have a backup battery, a way to charge your cell phone. Have a battery-powered radio to use during a power outage. Stand the alerts you may receive. A watch means be prepared. A warning means take action. Create a support team, as Brother Allah says, to help to stay safe in a disaster. Plan how you can help each other. So just wanted to share those, uh, brothers and sisters. Again, this is a solutions-based program. We're not just talking to be talking. All of us, many of us, 
whether it's Brother Rudolph or myself or the subject matter experts that are listening, that call in, they have experience that we can all use because, as Brother Allah said, if all of us do a little, none of us have to do. So if we're at uh, 5.44 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the last 15 minutes. Sister Anissa, feel free to share whatever's on your heart. And anyone listening that has not come into the studio yet, as the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in 1972, brother or sister, come from behind that sycamore tree. All of us have gifts, talents, knowledge, skills, and abilities that can help the next person. So you're listening to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Sister Nisa, Brother Rudolph, the floor is yours. Um, I, as we're speaking, I know that what I am going to do next week is I have groups that are in the community that I have an affinity with. Some are working within the school district here, and they don't know, or or maybe they don't know, maybe they do, but I would think I would like to remind them to put a little pressure on the schools so that they will know that, that somebody's watching you. And in the event that something happens in this city that's an emergency, how are you going, what you going what's going to happen to my child? What if I work in the valley and my child is going to school up there on 50th and Crenshaw? What's going to happen to my child? In other words, check with your local school to find out what their contingency plan is in the event of an emergency. That's right. Not just, you know, and don't just call me if there's an active shooter. Because there's somebody out there actively shooting his wrath upon this country, and his name is Allah, who came in the person of Master for our mom, and I'm just saying. That's right. And working, working like, say, for example, if, if you live in, you know, near a project, I'm sure that they have rec centers attached. I'm going to start going there. Go to, if you know, um, Apartment dwellings in in L.A. always generally have, especially the huge ones, they generally have a leasing office. Go to the leasing office and give them a proposal of what it is that they can do to help their own tenants that are, you all are making millions of dollars off of us. We can work together to make sure that these places are secure in the event of some sort of, of, of an emergency. Because trust and believe that people in the community will tear this mess up. Right. Not out of anger, but out of fear. Mm. Out of fear. Mm. And it's not intentional. It's kind of like where I live. I live in a huge complex, and I'm looking out my dining room window, and I'm looking at houses sitting up on the hill three tiers above me. I'm looking at how insecure the foundations of their houses are underneath, and I don't even know if they are aware of it or not. I don't even know whether or not they care. Mm-hmm. But let it rain. And a lot shake up this place so bad. What's going to happen? Because I'm in the line of fire of two houses I'm looking at right now. 
that can fall straight down this hill. Seriously. So actually, I keep a bag packed, and it's on rollers. So if I have to leave out of here in a serious quickness, I have something in that bag that I know for a fact, like my, I may have to run up out of here and don't have time to go to the closet and grab a jacket, but it's one in that bag. I keep shoes by the door so that I can run out in the event of an emergency because I'm not getting caught off guard. And these little flimsy fences that they have up here, the children can tear that down with their hands because the ground shifts out here in Los Angeles all the time. Sometimes the tremors that we feel are not necessarily an earthquake or something under the ground or a tremor because of an earthquake. It could just be the ground shifting because this is a desert. And the, the ground and the soil is very soft up under all of this asphalt and concrete. It really is. So I would say that we also have to know what our hazards are in our community. For example, at the top of this hill that I'm looking at, back in the 60s and 70s, it used to be like a reservoir or a dam up there. An earthquake hit, all of that water came down that hill and flooded out a whole lot of homes. That's why so many black people have homes now over here because mostly white people owned those homes, but they thought that they couldn't afford to. They didn't want to come back. So we need to know the hazards that we're traveling by. We really do need to know what's the quickest way out of the city. And please do not, I, would, I wouldn't say don't do it, but don't depend on the information that you find online because that's what everybody's going to do, and then you're going to be sitting in congested traffic. Remember to keep emergency supplies in your vehicles. If you know you're diabetic, make sure that you have glucose tablets or you have something that can raise your blood sugar up if necessary, especially if you suffer from hypoglycemia. Mm. Especially if you're driving and you know you have hypoglycemia or blood glucose level issues. Mm-hmm. Because just as it can spike, it can sink, or should I say decrease with the swiftness. And you're driving down the 101, the 405, the, six, the 605, the 60, the 90, the 5. People are going to try to get up out of Dodge, and they're going to be traveling east out here in order to get away from the shoreline. Now, are you ready for that trek? We're taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that we shouldn't even come home and park our cars on less than three-quarters of a tank of gas. That's right. So if we are not doing that, then maybe we should start thinking about that. I used to talk, call my husband a lot in the middle of the day, sir, sweetie, babe, I don't have no gas in my car. He would bring me one, but you don't have a tank. I said, bro, no, I, I don't. To me, half a tank is the equivalent of having no gas in my car. Mm. Listen, 
because that's how I look at that. My husband works long hours. In the event that something happened and you're not here, I need to come meet you where you are or vice versa. I may need to drive 45 miles out of my way to get to a place of safety, and I need some gas in my car. Because usually, most of the time, these disasters usually occur at a time that we least suspected. Go back. Remember the earthquake, not earthquake, tornadoes that hit downtown Miami during lunchtime? Imagine that. That's right. In the summer? When people was just lollygagging around, just doing what they usually do in the summertime in Miami on their lunch break. We would all be in a state of anxiety and panic if Allah told us to send us a memo or a text and say, tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. <laughs> sharp, <Go ahead. laughs> this is what's going to happen. Selling it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The God that I serve, don't, he don't function like that. He on his own time. He's right. on his time. We are on his, and we have to respect his time. That's right. And we beautiful. are. Time dictates the agenda really, really, really must do more than what we're already doing to keep our family safe and keep our community safe. Because just like Brother Rudolph said, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't know where I heard it from, but I know I heard it when I first came in the nation, that our people are going to come after us because we did not go out there to tell them and teach them what it is that we know when we knew it was coming. That's right. You're right. Go so ahead. That, that, I heard that's our duty. I heard. I don't know where. I don't know if it was in in a, one of the messengers' books, but I heard that a lot when I first came in. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'll praise this be to Allah. Thank you all so much for allowing me an opportunity to share what was in my heart and my spirit with um, with your listeners. I really appreciate it. Well, all praises due to Allah, Sister Anissa. We thank you for your contribution to our show this week. Priceless, in my humble opinion. May Allah continue to bless you, ma'am, and your family. And you know you're always welcome on this show. A couple of things, of course, come to my mind as we close out in the last five minutes. I'll let Brother Rudolph say the last word, but in listening to you in your last uh, commentary, it took me to uh, the book by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, The Teachings 2.0. In the first book, he was asked the question, what would you tell our people they need to do to prepare for disasters in their areas? And he answered, there are disaster preparedness networks that you can access the knowledge of what you should have and store in your houses to be as prepared as you can be, quote, unquote. And then for those who just did not or will not hear what the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been crying out in the wilderness for the past 93 years, it reminds me of a song they used to sing in the church. Uh, Way back in the Bible days, Noah told the people that it's going to rain. 
But when he told them, they paid him no mind. So when he left, they got left behind. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. You better get ready and bear this in mind. God showed no other rainbow sign. It won't be water, but fire next time. We're in it, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. You won't be able to say, like they said in Wakanda, we hidden in plain sight. No, but yet we know we have more that we could do, more that we should do, more that we're declaring ourselves, committing ourselves, recommitting ourselves to do more, to get this information out to our people. So I want to thank Brother Allah for calling in. As always, with his expertise, Sister Nisa, may Allah continue to bless you and your family, Brother Allah, the same. And Brother Rudolph, if you're still with us, Brother, I, I, I done gave you the choir already. So as they, you know, used to say in the church, the next voice you'll hear after the choir renders a selection is uh, <laughs> my dear brother, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad. Brother Rudolph, are you with us? Well, you know, Brother Rudolph's moving and grooving. We still got a few minutes left, so we're going to find something for our listening Can you hear me? Until... I'm here. Yeah, I got you now, big brother. You on now. We couldn't hear you before. Go right ahead, brother. Oh, okay. The floor is yours. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Amen, Wong. There you go. Well, Love you. you know, I'm going to close with with this. Well, son, I'll tell you, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor. There. But all the time I've been a climbing on and reaching landings and turning corners. And sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light. So, boy, don't you turn back. Don't you sit down on the steps because you find it's kind of hard. Don't you fall now. For I've been going on, honey. I still climb. And life for me ain't been no crystal stair. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. We have to keep moving as a people toward perfection. We have to keep moving as a family toward the unity of our family. We have to keep moving in a direction back to our spiritual fulcrum back to our uh, uh, place of peace and serenity, which is back to our God. You may not believe in God, and that's fine. Then I'm not talking to you. But for those who do, know for surety that it was the God of our fathers that got us through the transatlantic slave trade. It was the God of our fathers that got us through 
sharecropping, Jim Crow, and Jim Crow Esquire. It was the God of our fathers that got us through COVID-19 and the lockdown. And it's the God of our fathers that will continue to get us where we need to be and on into the hereafter if, as it says in Second Corinthians, if we do what we do and obey his word. So I'll close it with that. You know, and say thank you for participating, coming, listening to us this week, and tell somebody about the show. Inshallah, we'll be on live next week. Tell somebody and bring somebody to the show with you and do some research and come with a question, a statement, or a jewel that you can help to share with the family because we are bone of each other's bones blood of each other's blood, and flesh of each other's flesh. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, family. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive them of their sins, and heal their land.
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.